You are listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. You guys see something a little unusual tonight walking around the building? They're sitting in the front row to be a little bit more exact. I'd like to uh, introduce formally to you guys tonight that weren't here at the wedding that we had a few hours ago, uh, Mr. and Mrs. David Flack. Would you guys stand up and turn around and let them see your faces? You guys that come here regularly, you know that Dave is a very talented musician. He helps us out with music all the time. Um, Just a great, great guy that I've got the pleasure of really getting to know and really hearing his story. A few months ago, we did actually a video of him, and he was uh, featured in our My Story um, section of of what we kind of do. And uh, Terry is somebody that we just met through Dave. He had this secret little lady that uh, he started bringing on Saturday nights, and she's got a wonderful voice as well. And we're just so excited for them and their sons and, and uh, what God's going to do for them. So keep them in your prayers, and uh, we were stoked to have a wedding here. So it's been kind of a crazy day. So <clears throat> interesting thinking about um, getting married, relationships, and, you know, if you've been around here for a while, you know that at the very core of everything we talk about, the very center of it all is this understanding that there's a God that wants to have a relationship with us. And he's done some incredibly, incredibly miraculous things to make that happen. We've told great stories that are spoken all through scripture of a God who wanted to know us and did everything it took to make a way for us to be able to get close to him again. And tonight we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. Because when somebody gets married, it's kind of one of those focus type things where I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like a big softy, and so it's like every time somebody gets married, in my head, I'm hearing Journey sing that song forever, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, loving a music man ain't always what it's supposed to be, baby, and all this stuff. I mean, that's a song we had at our, at our uh, wedding, and, and, you know, you fight tears because it doesn't matter if you've been married for 30 years or for three years or for three months, that wedding moment always brings you back to that. That, that remembrance in your life. But those of you that have been married and those of you that have been through relationships, you know that just because you get married, that is not the end of the relationship or that's not even like close to the pivotal point, right? That's not the mountaintop experience. It's not the climax. That's not supposed to be as good as it gets. That's the beginning in a lot of ways. It's the beginning of getting to know each other in a different way. It's actually a progression in things. I had a friend of mine tell me he's been married for 21 years, and he said, after 21 years, me and my wife, we still love each other. But he said the most amazing thing is after 21 years, we actually still like each other. And it's like, now that is actually kind of true. I want to share with you a scripture. This is a theme scripture for us, and uh, it's found in Colossians, and Verse, or chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 15, and I'll have the words up on the screen for you so you can, you can follow along with me. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all, and he is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Kings and kingdoms, rulers and authorities, everything has been created through him and for him. 
He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body, and he is the first of all who will rise from the dead, and so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and by him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross, and this includes you. You who were once so far away from God that you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, and yet now he has brought you back as his friends. And he's done this through his death on the cross in his own human body. And as a result, he has brought you into the very presence of God. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without even a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. Because the good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed by God to proclaim it. This scripture has a whole lot that it says in it, but the thing about it that is really central for you and I to understand is one thing and one thing only, that Jesus is at the center of it all. You and I We have this bad habit in our lives, every single one of us, I don't care who you are. We have this bad habit of thinking that the world revolves around us. If you don't believe it's true, come to my house and hang out with my three children. I will convince you by the comments that are made and by the attitudes that are thrown around that even as children, we we pick up this thing that we think it's all about me. And when we come to God, And some of us in this room tonight, we don't have any kind of a concept of a relationship with God, and and we're just here because somebody invited us, and, and this is all new to us, and that's all cool. But for most of us, when we think about God, or we think about this this dynamic of having a relationship with God, our tendency or our default is always to go back to this place of thinking about me and my feelings and my emotions and my thoughts. In other words, you and I say things like, well, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Or we say, um, I don't want to. I don't like that. Or we say things like, eh, I just don't know if I feel God or if I just know that, that God does this or does that. And we begin to create this relationship in our mind that really takes into consideration our feelings, our emotions, and our ideas. Now, Scripture tells us right here really plainly that I'm not at the center of it all. Jesus is at the center of it all. How many of you guys have ever heard of a book called The Purpose Driven Life? Pastor named Rick Warren has a great church down in Southern California, and he wrote this book, and many of us have read it. Many of us have have, uh, gone through this book. It's a 40-day progression, and in this book, it hammers us on this concept. And I want to read to you something that's found on the very first page. I hope this doesn't offend you. Well, probably I do, but anyway, it says, it's not about you, dummy. Oh, I'm about to say that. It says, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. 
It's far greater than your family, your career, and even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. See, you and I have this, we have this uh, problem in our life. It's called self-centeredness. It's called pride. It's called ego. It's all kinds of different things that we want to talk about or we'll call it. But at its core, it's me being too big, being too large, being too boisterous, being too opinionated, wanting my own way about everything, including the way that I relate to God and in the way that I connect with God and in the way that I connect with Christians and the way that I connect with my church family or connect with scripture, I get too big. And I believe that in order for us to truly understand how to have an intimate and a personal and a real I'm not talking about something that it looks good on the outside because I'm done with those games. I know you are too. I'm talking about something that really means something and something that's real. In order for that to happen, you and I have to go through this process of learning how to shrink. It's the incredible shrinking me. It's us learning how to get small, how to get low, how to get humble, how to get to that place to where we recognize that it's not about me. See, we sing songs here every Saturday night that talk about how big God is. We sing songs that talk about how much we love God because he's loved us. We talk about our story. We talk about the fact that many of us in this, in this room, we are addicts. Many of us in this room have been through the addiction cycle. We know that we're powerless to change ourselves. Many of us in this room, we've been through the cycle of broken marriages and broken families. We've been through abuse. We've been through heartache. We know that this world is jacked up and there's nothing rosy about it. But somehow, someway, when we come to God and when we come to our relationship with him, we try to just plasticize the whole thing and make it all look nice. And it's not. And really at its core... It's you and me thinking we can manage our own stuff. Me getting too big. And none of us are immune. I don't care if you've gone to church like me. I've been fortunate to be raised in a, in a home that, that took me to church when I was a little kid. And I was, raised, I was raised in the scriptures. I was raised learning about God. I don't care if that's your story or if tonight's the first time that you've ever even been in any kind of a spiritual environment. I don't care where you come from. We all wrestle with selfishness and we all wrestle with thinking that we can handle our stuff. Jesus is at the center of it all. See, this scripture that we just read at the very end of it says something that's just amazing to me. It says this word called good news. It says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Because the good news has been preached all over the world. This good news, many of us have heard it called gospel or the gospel. It literally means that Jesus is at the center of it all and that he has come to rescue us. He has come to meet us in our brokenness and in our shame and in our inability to be able to fix ourselves. The good news is that he came and that he wants to be with us and he wants to be close to us. But the tendency is for us to make it about something completely different. See what it says in this, it says, you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. 
You must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. What is this truth that we must believe and stand in firmly? It's the truth that God loves us with such a reckless and selfless love that he was willing to come and become one of us, to take on the form of a human, breathe the same air that we breathe, and bring to us a demonstration of the love of a father that he was tired of being misunderstood about. And he needed to touch us. He needed to hug us. He needed to look us in the eye. He needed to eat with us. He needed to be with us so that we could experience such an amazing love. See, God is the one that calls our names. God is the one that invites us to come. There's so many analogies in scripture that paint for us a picture to try to understand this relationship that God desires. Sometimes when you read in scripture, we, we read about marriage, just like we witnessed here tonight. We read that, that God actually wants us to think in terms of a marriage relationship. In other words, there is love, there is intimacy, there is communication, there is, there is just a deep connection between us and God. In some places in scripture, God refers to us as the bride of Christ. And he says that in the end, we're going to come together like a, like a husband and a wife, and, and there's going to be this joyous celebration because finally we get to be close and we get to be connected in a way that right now it's difficult for us to relate to and understand. In other places in Scripture, God talks to us about family. He says, I want you to think of me in terms of a father who has children, my sons and my daughters, and I want you to think in terms of how a father loves their children. There's, in other places, we're, we're given the analogy of being adopted into the family and all of the emotions that come with the thought process of what does it look like to be chosen by God and be able to be brought into the family. So many things that, that God does because he wants us to know how great this love is and how much he wants us to be close to him. How many of you have ever experienced the pain of a relationship gone bad. You don't have to raise your hand. Well, okay, raise your hands. Me. I remember my first relationship gone bad. I was six years old. <laughs> Her name was Kimberly. And uh, she wouldn't let me share her tricycle on the playground anymore. And I was devastated. You know, I'm joking. Some of us in this room have really, really felt the pain, the heartbreak, sometimes the injustice and all of the crap that goes with a relationship that, that disintegrates or goes bad. See, many of us here tonight, if we get honest with ourselves, our relationship with God, with God has gone through lots of seasons, lots of ups and downs, lots of highs and lows, lots of times where we feel so close to God it's just like, man, God, I just know you're with me. And then there's been other times where it's just like, God, is this a joke? Are you serious right now? Do I even, is there really even a God? Are you even close to me? We've all been through those moments. See, the thing about having a relationship with God that is so unique is that we can't see him. We really can't hear him. We really can't physically wrap our, our hands around him or really be able to look him eye to eye. Everything about this relationship with God happens in our heart. 
There's some challenges with that. Some of us ignore those challenges and we think, oh, it's no big deal. You know, that's just the way it is. But for some of us, it's a big deal. It's like, how do I really get to hear God's voice? Everybody says, oh, God spoke to me. What is that? How do I really get to hear God's voice? Or how do you know when, when God's really doing something? These are challenges to having a relationship with God. I want to read something to you that I believe will give us firm footing tonight as we deal with this whole concept of who's at the center of it all, me or Jesus, and how is my relationship wrapped into that? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. There's that family analogy. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And he gave them right standing with himself, and he promised them his glory. What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Will God? No. He's the one who has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ Jesus? No. For he is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting at the place of highest honor next to God, and he's pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, or are hungry, or cold, or in danger, or even threatened by death. Scriptures even say, for your sake we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, When you and I start feeling distant from God, when you and I start feeling those feelings, maybe God doesn't love me like he loves so-and-so. Maybe God isn't really wanting to have a relationship with me because I feel alone or I feel ashamed or I'm still struggling with my addictions or I'm still struggling with who I am as a person, or I'm still wrestling with all of the junk that I wrestle with. There is a truth and such a promise here. It talks about the fact that God is the one that called you to come to him. He's the one. See, this whole deal that we're doing right now, it didn't start with us. It didn't start because Jason had some big idea. It's like, hey, let's get some people and play some music and talk about God. No, 
This started a long time ago with the father who had a heart so big because he lost his children. They had been taken from him. And he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my kids back. And he paid a ransom for you and me. It was a big, heavy, expensive ransom. In order for him to get his kids back, you and me, he had to give one of his own kids, his other kids up, Jesus. And when he gave his other son, in exchange for us, he paid a ransom that was so heavy, but his heart was so big that he couldn't live without us. And when you and I go through moments of feeling distant and feeling away from God and feeling like he's not close to us, I want you to know something. Nine times out of 10, it's because you've begun to think that somehow, some way, this is all about me. Our intimacy, our closeness with God, it starts to fade the second that we start thinking it's about me. See, Jesus is at the center of it all, and our life revolves around him. It all revolves around him. It's not like he's over here and we're over here. You have to understand he's at the hub of our life, and we are the wheel that is continually going around him, and it never stops. It never stops turning. And sometimes when we look at the center and we think, oh, God, it's great to know you in this capacity, as that thing begins to spin around Jesus and you look at him again, your perspective changes and it feels different and you look at him and you see him in a different way, but he's at the center of it all. It says right here in Romans, where can you go? What can you do to get yourself away from the love of God? Nothing, nothing. There's nothing you can do. And so you and I tonight, when we come to God, we have to return to that place of humility where we see in Scripture here that there is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. It's time for us. It's time for us to get past ourselves. It's time for us to put ourselves away so that we can have the life that God wants us to have. We can have the freedom that God wants us to have. We can know him like God wants for us to know him. See, it's great to come here tonight. It's great for us to have some type of a church encounter with God. But this is about this much of what it looks like to really know God, to experience him. See, God wants us to know him on our own through scripture. God wants for us to understand and to begin to develop the ability to hear his voice when he talks to us. God wants for us to understand and to begin to develop the connection that only comes when we get real with him. God wants for us to know him for ourselves. And some of us here tonight think that in order for you to know God, you gotta come through me or you gotta go through him or you gotta go through her. And when you come here on Saturday nights, you're thinking, this is the closest that I can get. It's not. This is not. It's like the wedding for Dave and Terry today. They're close today. But as their relationship matures 10 years from now, they're going to know each other so much deeper and so much more than they do today. 
because that's the way a relationship works. Would you pray with me? God, tonight we thank you that in these moments you do stuff. You talk to us, you deal with us, you encounter us. So God, right now I just pray that you would encounter us as we reflect on what we've just heard and of what we've just read. You would encounter each one of us in our own way and in a way that's very unique and in a way that's very personal. Saturday nights, we take communion every week. It's a a time for us to be able to come clean with God. It's a time for us to be able to put in the proper perspective what is the most important thing in our life. You and I have a tendency of getting that messed up. We go through our week and we think that our job and our family is the most important thing in our life, and it's not. Jesus is the most important thing in our life. And so every week we come back to these communion tables and we take this bread, which scripture says represents Jesus' blood or his body, and we dip it in the juice, which represents the innocent blood that he shed for us. And then we go and find a place in this room and we ask God, what's up? And we let him talk to us and we get real with him because this is a time for you and him to connect. We also believe that there's lots of ways that God connects with us through scripture and through, through prayer. One of the other ways that we worship God and connect with God is through our finances. Those of us that have a relationship with God understand that everything that we have, every single thing that we have is a gift from God. It's all his. We don't own anything. And so as a sign of our love and our allegiance to God, we give back to him a portion of our finances. And there's some little tins on these worship tables for you. If you want to give back to God and say, God, I want to worship you with my finances. This is a time for you, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. If you just want to sit in your seat and you don't want to move, that's all good too. Because I'm convinced that to be near God softens our heart. And sometimes all we got to do is just sit and let him soften our heart. So Rhonda's going to lead us in another worship song, and this is your chance to connect with God. Would you come? He
God, tonight we're so grateful, God, that there's an amazing grace that has saved a wretch like me. God, we're so grateful that we can come close to you. We're so grateful we can be near you, Jesus. So God, I pray tonight for every heart, for every person, God, that is here that desires that closeness, that personal understanding of your love and your grace. I pray that this would be a night that they would open themselves up and allow that truth to grab them, to rescue them, God. If you're here tonight and um, you just feel like something's touched your heart and you wanna talk to somebody or you want somebody to pray with you tonight, life is heavy. And sometimes we need help. We can't get through it by ourselves. And if you're going through something right now that feels bigger than you, don't leave here without letting us pray with you. There's power in prayer. There's power when we come together and support each other. There's been so many times in my life, I can't even tell you, that I didn't even have the strength to pray for myself because I was so low, I couldn't do it. And I needed somebody in that moment to come up next to me and say, hey, Jason, let me pray for you because you can't pray for yourself right now. So don't walk out this door if that's where you're at, because we're here for you. We love you. More importantly, God loves you. I hope to see you outside. We'll have some coffee together. We want to we get to know you and shake your hand. Pray with you tonight. God bless you. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.